Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 for patrons, jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. And today is Share the Show Tuesday. And I thought this is the first time ever uh, we're doing this, but I've gotten numerous comments that when listeners share the show, the people they share it with are find it difficult to catch up or um, can't follow the story. So I thought I'd just give you a little couple of tips on what we're doing and why and how to listen. So I'm Monica Perez. I'm here with Brad Binkley. I used to have a show, The Monica Perez Show, on WSB in Atlanta for eight and a half years. Binkley was the producer of that show for four and a half years. And about a year ago, we got taken off the air with no real explanation, although some of the topics we were covering were pretty hot. They included Event 201 and the COVID policies, Jeffrey Epstein, Stacey Abrams, election integrity, things that are much more censored now than they were a year ago or for the previous decade even. So what we are doing is putting out, so obviously we're not going to be on terrestrial radio anymore, but we're putting out a daily show that's supposed to kind of replace your listening to the radio by telling you the stories of the day, but without all the propaganda. So we're trying to pull back the curtain on those stories. And why do people still follow the news when mainstream media is obviously full of propaganda? And the answer is, we live in the world. People are talking about this stuff. You have to be informed. You want to know what's happening, what policies are changing, how it's going to affect everything from your own lifestyle to the future for your children. Also, your kids are probably in school. A lot of people, they're going to get a lot of propaganda. You need to kind of know what some of the stuff behind the scenes is so that you can at least help them think things through. You don't have to counter propagandize them, but it's good to know that there are other ways to look at these stories. You can separate the facts from the spin a little more easily if you have a different viewpoint coming at it. And as far as how to listen to it, it, they are stories of news of the day. And every every story in the news has a backstory because we only do this for 30 minutes. That's the free show. We don't have any agenda. It's not about a political purpose. We don't care about who you vote for. We just want people to think. And if you have an ideology, totally legit. Uh, you can inform that ideology. Just think. So maybe the first couple of times you listen, it's going to be a bit of a fire hose. But very quickly thereafter, you will get the themes. Maybe listen to a couple of shows at once. Anyway, so we get so many comments like that that we thought it would be a good Share the Show Tuesday to bring that up. So without further ado, on to our first big story of the day. We don't always just cover the COVID stuff, but the vaccine story is making a lot of news, especially since in Europe, even the big countries in Europe, France, Germany, have halted use of the uh, English vaccine, the AstraZeneca vaccine, because of issues with blood clotting. They want us to think it's not a big deal, but we don't know yet. And the AstraZeneca vaccine was tested not 
against a saline placebo, which is like salt water, which will not hurt you. It was tested against a meningitis vaccine. So if a meningitis vaccine hurts you and this vaccine hurts you, you wouldn't know from the study the dangers of this vaccine. Somebody pointed out to me, emailed me that uh, I, I said that Moderna used a saline vaccine placebo and it did and that Pfizer didn't, but Pfizer actually did also. And it got me to dig in a little bit to the Pfizer study. And the Moderna study had 15,000 people take the vaccine, experimental vaccine, 15,000 people take the saline placebo. And of all of those 30,000 people, one person died of COVID. And it happened to be in the saline placebo group. So you could say of 30,000 people, 15,000 vaccines saves one life. In the Pfizer one, it's actually even worse, if you can believe it. It says, uh, so I, I tweeted this at Monica Perez show, a total of 43,548 participants uh, received injections, 21,720 with the vaccine, the experimental vaccine from Pfizer, and 21,728 with the placebo. There were eight cases of severe COVID. Uh, Oh, no, there were just eight cases of COVID among the vaccinated group and 116 cases among the unvaccinated group. So eight versus 162 cases. Sorry. So there were eight cases in the vaccine group, 160 cases, 62 cases in the placebo group. Okay, so it looks like it may have prevented a fair number. But there were Severe COVID cases, nine in the placebo group and only one in the vaccine group. So it looks like it prevented out of 20,000 people, eight severe cases and no COVID deaths were reported of this whole group. So if one in 2,500 recipients of this Pfizer vaccine gets seriously ill, That's like a break even scenario. If it's anything more than one in 2,500 people who get seriously ill from the vaccine, that means the vaccine may be doing more harm than good. So I just suggest that people read the studies. I put this in the uh, Binkley, I put it in the show notes. I gave you the link and I think it's worth thinking about, (laughs) you know, they, they, uh, They tell us that these things are well worth it. They're going to stop the spread. And I would say they overstate the efficacy. And in some cases, they may be understating the risks, especially if they are doing the studies, as you've pointed out so many times, Binkley, if they're doing the studies in a group that isn't doesn't have the same risk factors as the groups that they're giving it to in the what's really amounting to a live trial. Yeah. And some of those groups are not they didn't give it to in the trial. They were excluded from the trial because of the risk and then became those first ones who received it, which definitely raises a red flag to me. Facebook is helping with this effort to spread good vaccine information, I guess they would call it in their effort to fight against the bad misinformation. And Zuckerberg made this announcement yesterday on Facebook and through a press release saying that they're launching this global campaign and their goal is to help bring 50 million people a step closer to getting the COVID-19 vaccines. And he says that they've already connected over 2 billion people to authoritative COVID-19 information. 
authoritative COVID-19 information. Recognize that word because those authoritative sources are going to be more and more prevalent in, in our future, especially on social media. And here are some of the things that they are doing to fight COVID, quote, misinformation online. They are adding a tool. They have a COVID-19 information center, which if you haven't checked out, I, I encourage you to check it out. It's on the right in your newsfeed. It shows there prominently and it has all of the greatest hits uh, of propaganda that you're going to see. But they're adding a new tool to that, which will connect people to information about when and where to get their vaccine. So it's like a map and a tracker. And the next thing they're doing is they are expanding the official WhatsApp chat box to get people to register for these vaccinations with health authorities and governments. And there's something interesting about this I wanted to get your take on. He goes on to say that they're working with authorities and governments to expand the chat bots. And the reason they're doing it is because more than 3 billion messages related to COVID have already been sent by governments, nonprofits, and international organizations to citizens through the official WhatsApp chat box. So are they tracking all of these messages? I, I don't know. What What's weird to me is... Why are they doing this? And like, why are they doing it? Is this for their shareholders? Is this not a company or is it a company? And then the next sentence that you said after I had that thought was they are working with authorities and governments. And so anybody who thinks that this is a, a private a platform that shouldn't be treated like the public square. All you have to do is look at its backstory and what it admits to do. There is no reason to think that they stop their coordination with authorities and governments at things that we would think were OK or things that they tell us about publicly. Yeah, this press release, it's filled with examples of them working with governments around the world. Another thing that they're doing is they are making real-time aggregate trends intended to get the reasons for hesitancy, for vaccination hesitancy. They want to make it available to public officials. So they're, they're aggregating all of the trends on social media about why people aren't getting vaccines, and then they're giving that information to public health officials so they can make an equitable vaccine rollout. That goes to all the psych stuff that they had been doing over the years that was quite scandalous. Facebook was conducting psychological yes. experiments, and this yes. is how they're using it. And they're using it not to promote their own profits. So people are like, oh, it would be bad if they did profits. It's much, much worse if they're doing it for government control. I mean, this is backdoor fascism. This Absolutely. is there's nothing more to it than them using their and it goes to that courts article on Google and its NSA backstory is that one of the things it said is the reason we want to make Google we'll, we'll foster this guy brand or anybody who can do what we want, which is use searches to understand psychology and create mm -hmm. these birds of a feather worlds that influence people. But the reason we want to do it in the private sector is we want them to pay for it. We don't have the budget. Yeah. And so when you look at Facebook using its money to foster government programs alone, it's financing it. But also it does not it does. It is not held to the same standards as the Bill of Rights would hold the government doing this. Absolutely. And this leads right into this next one. They're going to be amplifying credible health information and resources from experts around the world, which includes partnering with ministries of health 
from more than 170 countries, providing them with free advertisement, working with the EU in support of their responses, providing them with free video features prominently on their platforms, Instagram and on Facebook. So they're translating this stuff into 170 languages and yeah, working with every government around the world, it seems like. And there's actually a campaign they're working on with the UN called the Only Together Campaign, which is going to be in your Facebook feed informational messages promoted by the health organizations who are participating in the UN campaign. And the final aspect of this are the labels. And they're going to be expanding their effort to stop the misinformation by putting labels on Facebook and Instagram on posts that discuss vaccines. Now, the labels can include anything from credible information. If they don't like what you say, they'll link you to a authoritative source. So, for example, they're adding a label on posts that discuss the safety of COVID-19 vaccines. And this label will note that COVID-19 vaccines go through tests for safety and effectiveness before they're approved. They're not approved. They're not approved. And we must discuss the reasons that some of these countries are taking AstraZeneca off the table. I mean, that is these. So what Facebook is doing is clearly propaganda. And I have a couple of things to color in about that, unless you want to finish. I got a few more points, but you can go ahead and hit that if you want. All right. Well, one thing is that when they, there were two things, I don't know if it was from some of the research I did for yesterday's show or some of the things we talked about already, you and I, from your research from today, but they identified yesterday that there were 638 categories of people, how that's how they look at people, and that only 10 of them was responsible for 50% of the anti-vaxxer stuff, and they immediately pointed the finger at Q, whatever. So, but they also, there's also an acknowledgement and even a paid-for propaganda campaign to counter this, that it's not, it's not just Q who's against vaccines, it's also people of color. And, and when they say that this is a small percentage of people... They're trying to tell you that when they implement propaganda, censorship, um, social credit scores, whatever, it won't affect you. It's only going to affect a small number of people. And of course, that's the old saying, like, first they came for the anti-vaxxers or like with income tax. First, they came for the super rich. But it's not that's how they get the foot in the door. But it's always about other people, broader audiences and different issues. Similarly, they when they draw these parallels, when they when they put these labels on people, they're putting racial labels, too. Right. Yes. Yeah. So their vax apartheid is literally calling people's attention to the racial profile of those that the same the same campaign is arguing are putting you in danger. So when you see a Hispanic person walking down the street, you might think, or what if his mask isn't over his nose, just below his nose? You might think that's one of those effing anti-vaxxers and you will draw racial associations because they are being drawn for you. I mean, this is there. They talk out of both sides of their mouths with this race stuff. Absolutely. I want to hit these last two things real quick. 
They're sharing this good information to, quote, help people, give people the content they need to make informed decisions about what to share on social media. So they're like dad trying to say, this is good for you. This isn't good for you. But and, that's not informed. Uh, yeah, I know. That's it's not. The it's the opposite. It's right. curated. And they actually single out groups. This goes right to what you're talking about. They're singling out groups by they want to reduce the distribution of content from users that have violated policies on COVID-19 and vaccine misinformation in the past or that have repeatedly shared content that is debunked as false or altered by their third party fact checking partners. And they want to reduce the distribution of any COVID-19 or vaccine content that fact checking partners have rated as missing context and they want to reduce the distribution or they excuse me they want to require the admins for groups with members who have violated policies to temp, to have be temporarily approved for every post that they put up so they're confusing content with the person yes right so they're saying if you do this kind of content you as a person are banned not your content yes so right that's a that's an egregious attack on the first amendment because yeah. it not only it not only attacks what you can say but it colors everything that you say based on something you said that they don't like again the impact of that will be against republicans probably but also it yeah. will end in racial discrimination i completely agree one final thing they're getting real time data on they're collecting real time data on vaccine attitudes and they're getting this data from all over the world and they're going to use it in the rollout of the vaccine in 200 countries or 200 territories. And they say this data is going to help public health officials inform their messaging tactics and policy decisions at the regional level. So this is just an attempt by this big tech company and others to shape and control the information environment that we live in and what we believe to be our reality. This is a massive propaganda campaign. And one of our favorites, a guy named Imrod Ahmed, who is with the Center for Countering Digital Hate. We did a Rockfin <laughs> video on him. This guy is quite a, quite a character, to say the He's least. He's getting paid. He's getting paid to associate anti-vaxxing with racism, right? Yes, and QAnon, very, very blatant about that. So we just heard what those Facebook measures are. Pretty extreme. Here's what he has to say about Facebook's measures. He says, this announcement falls well short of what is needed to solve the crisis of anti-vaccine lies polluting social media users' timeline. Facebook and Instagram still don't remove the vast majority of posts reported to them for containing dangerous misinformation about vaccines. Their main super spreaders of anti-vaccine lies all still have a presence on Instagram and Facebook, despite the promises to remove them. So he doesn't like it. He thinks there needs to be more. This is a guy who got David Icke canceled, by the way. He thinks and it needs brags to be about it. Yes, he bragged. And about he it. wants he wants people to be removed, not just what they say. I mean, you have to see what that means. That means that they are they are categorizing. This is all 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 arrows point to identifying individuals who are not welcome to contribute to society. And that that flies in the face of this popular vote thing. One person, one vote. I mean, there I hate to 
point the finger at hypocrisy it's hypocrisy is irrelevant the fact is one by one you can look at these policies and initiatives as presented in these this uh propaganda and and information control as as just uh fostering this tyrannical technocracy that is that requires that we ignore individuality disagreement our basic rights it's not cool however we do have a friend who is taking the long and arduous road to fight one small battle in the courts and i actually think we did an interview with the great robert barnes recently you can find it in our feed the propaganda report but the the i actually do believe even though in an um uh, a recovering anarcho-capitalist and now a philosophical uh, agorist. But I don't really believe so much that that uh, the monopoly government can work, but we can kick the can on its transformation into tyranny by fighting court cases. So we talked to Garland Favrito. He's our favorite elections integrity activist, and it's in Georgia. And he's fighting just to see the ballots from from November 20th, the mail-in ballots, because he has affidavits that say that poll workers, auditors said that many thousands of the ballots looked inauthentic and he has been suing to get the right to examine those ballots. This has been going on for months. So there's been an update. What's the update, Bankley? Well, in the email from Garland, the subject line is voter GA plaintiffs granted conditional approval to inspect Fulton Georgia ballots and it then goes on to say we have just been granted the conditional approval to inspect the Fulton County mail-in ballots and he, he gives a special thank you to a few people and he says there's quite a few conditions on the approval such as maintaining secrecy of our findings until they are presented in court and he says you will be able to see the hearing when the video is posted after this afternoon so I guess the video was posted yesterday because that's when this was sent out. And he says the next hearing is scheduled for March 24th, and this is when they will present their inspection plan. So they're not inspecting before March 24th. They're just presenting the plan. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have an update with him this weekend, Saturday, probably around noon. Yeah. That's further than I, I did not expect them to get that far. Person, I know he's working hard. I know he's got his argument, which is a good argument, but I didn't expect, I expected them to kick the can even more. So this is a positive step. It is definitely a positive step. I assume that they will continue to kick the can, but we are getting closer. And all we really want, neither Garland nor I voted for Trump, but all we really want is to hold the feet to the fire of the process and the integrity of the system. Because that if you if you don't, even if it's a flawed system, if you don't enforce those protections, you're not going to get anywhere. And and this, I had another story out of Georgia that goes to this idea of disenfranchisement and just getting what you want and not caring about the those principles of equality and individuality that this country is based on all in the name of democracy which just makes me laugh not that I'm a fan of democracy I'm a fan of objective 
foundational law. And I guess if you have to execute that centrally, you want some representation, actual representation. But uh, democracy is like a dirty word. But there's there was a story on CNN that there are protests in Georgia trying to get Coca-Cola to influence the legislation and others that are headquartered there, Delta, Aflac, Home Depot. What they want is they want these corporations to pressure the legislature not to pass some Republican changes to the to the uh, election law. And I'm not even sure I completely agree with. I don't. I mean, they, they want to repeal no excuse absentee voting. I'm not a fan of that. They want. They want uh, ID rules, which I am a fan of. The devil is in the details for this kind of thing. But you want ID laws because you don't want people voting who aren't legitimate voters and uh, and absentee ballots are, you know, so I don't I don't totally agree with the GOP rules, but I totally disagree with this idea that using corporate influence to change a legislature's direction mm-hmm. is is a mistake. And it's right out of Rosinski's crisis of democracy, where he says, like, having this one person, one vote thing is very destabilizing. What you want is to have institutions tell their employees or their students or their union members or whatever how to vote. So we have voting blocks in a non-democratic environment that will sway the democracy. And of course, this again is that kind of backdoor fascism yep. where they're going to come in and use corporations to undermine the protections. We have a flawed system with some good protections. So I always say, like, if you're if you have to live in this system, you should make sure they give you the protections that we, we negotiated in the founding of this country. And this is a way around that all in the name of, quote, democracy. Yeah, they did a die-in at Coca-Cola's offices the other day. A die-in is when a bunch of activists go to the office and pretend to be dead in the lobby to get attention to the cause. This is also right out of the Great Reset. And we, I talked a couple weeks ago about how these corporations in Georgia are lining up with Stacey Abrams' voter initiative stuff, which is what this refers to as well. And this is the ESG standards, the environmental social governance standards that the Great Reset is trying to implement worldwide, where corporations show their virtue through doing these acts. And this makes it easier for people like Stacey Abrams and these other groups to pressure these corporations in Georgia. Stacey Abrams and Chris Cuomo both likened these laws. So it's basically voter ID laws and limiting absentee ballots, which I don't know. They both liken them to Jim Crow laws. <laughs> Jim Crow laws, like you can't eat in a restaurant because you have to show an ID. I mean, that is just... Chris Cuomo did that also? Yeah. yeah. Or Andrew Cuomo? <laughs> I know. Well, before we get to our last story of the Free 30, which touches on, I think, a complex thing in what appears to be a simple thing, it's that for what we were talking about before the show which this last story goes to is that war as a method of social control is seems to be taking a backseat to other methods of social control. And at the same time, sports, which was that kind of daily proxy for war, seems to be transforming in itself. So we're going to get a little bit into that deeper subject in the free 30. In the Patron 15, which is just for patrons, it's an extra 15 minutes where we kind of let our hair down. We get a little deeper, maybe touch on funner subjects or whatever. We don't uh, keep the the sensor on in case one of us uh, <laughs> uses 
uses colorful language that does not get edited out. But in that, uh, I'm going to tell you uh, who has been coronated Techno King. And Binkley's going to tell you how love can really be a sign of hate. And of course, a big shout out to the sponsor of today's show. This is a really cool sponsor, and I'm highly complimented that he has sponsored our show. We're actually going to talk to him. We have an interview scheduled for the end of the month with Etienne de la Boetsy squared and he wrote a book which i'm going to call a coffee you say table that book. so well by the way thank you so much and i say it the way he says it even though i wouldn't have said it that way if i was just trying to figure out how to say it in french so and that and he, that's his nom de plume based on a famous writer who elucidated the concept of the consent of the governed that even in a horrible militaristic tyrannical government you couldn't you couldn't govern the people unless they consented. And I think Gandhi kind of demonstrated how true that was. So this book, though, is called Government, The Biggest Scam in History. And it is the kind of size and shape of a of a coffee table book. And it's for visual learners. So the idea behind it is to get is to red pill people to pull the scales off their eyes about the true nature of the state, kind of get them from zero to 60 in a short amount of time. And I think this book could do it in one hour. I almost feel like you just like invite your mother-in-law over while you're, while you're cooking, make sure dinner is late and leave this on the table for her to look through because it has so like one, one part of it. It used to be on Deborah gets red pilled. Yeah. This is a friend of, I think of Adam's. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, this and he was. Oh, he just did a huge interview with James Corbett, which is called. Uh, let me see if I have the name of the of the how you can find it on Corbett. It's called. Uh, it's corbettreport.com slash how to present info for visual learners solutions watch, and there. But there's just one little thing I'll highlight about it is there's some sections there that show. It shows Nazi Germany, the U.S. government, Soviet Russia, and East Germany. I don't know if you can see that, just all side yeah. by side. And then it shows the similarities in those four regimes. But it includes today's government, and it talks about things about like how people are brainwashed, how schools are used to foster dedication to the state, the state right or wrong. And then in the end... So a lot of this you really want to download. I have a hard copy, which I love, but I mean, you'd probably want a hard copy every year because in the end, it talks about organizations and events that are uh, coming up. He's, he is uh, um, very active in the Free State Project in New Hampshire. And anyway, so it's just a very positive, realistic, accessible way to understand the Truman Show that government really is. Yeah. So I love I find that. that. I think it's very creative and uh, effective using images and stuff like. Yes, that. it's super cool, and it, it like the majority of people learn better that way. So I just I I'm really eager to talk to him about how he learned how to do all this stuff and why he puts so much into it. So that's at uh, government dot. Let me get it right. Come on. Government-scam.com. Government-scam.com. And uh, so support us by supporting our sponsors, or also you can just support us. So if you, we always talk about Patreon. That really is our best source of support. We cannot kind of keep going without it. We are going to try to move off it. But in the meanwhile, we'd love for you to become a patron. 
You can move on a dime. Just do it for a month at a time. It's fine. But if you really cannot deal with Patreon, we can figure out a kind of custom solution for you. So you can email us at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. You can also go to thepropreport.com. We've got some buttons in the upper right hand corner. If it's on your phone, there are drop down menus, but on the laptop, there's shop, donate, and subscribe in the upper right. And any of those three things would help us a lot. You could just make a one off donation there. You could subscribe. Please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a five star review. And then you could also shop. That helps us a little bit and it helps spread the word because we have some really cool logos and gear. So that's at thepropreport.com. Thank you very much. And now on to our last story of the Free 30. All right. Well, as some of you know, some of you aren't as into sports, but those of you that are know that the NCAA tournament is coming up starting on Thursday and that the conference tournaments just ended this past Sunday. Well, the COVID protocols have affected the outcome of games and are changing the way the tournament is happening. For example, the tournament is being played in, quote, a bubble in Indianapolis. I don't get these bubble terms I like to use. I don't know if they have an actual bubble. I don't think so. But the conference tournaments were affected by teams having to forfeit games because they had a player test positive. For example, Duke was in the ACC tournament and they'd won the first two games and they probably weren't going to make the NCAA tournament either way, but they still had a little bit of a chance uh, and they didn't get to play their third game in the tournament because a walk-on player tested positive for COVID. And so they had to step out of the tournament and Georgia Tech actually benefited from this as well because Virginia also had a player test positive, which gave Tech a win where they went to the, they ended up getting, they didn't have to play the semifinal game. They just got to advance to the championship, which they then won. And there's actually articles written about how Tech's protocols, because their coach doesn't let their players ride elevators with anybody else. He wears a face mask all the time. He looks really ridiculous wearing it. But saying that his obsessive detail to sticking to those protocols helped them get to that championship game. And the NCAA tournament has what they call replacement teams. So the last four teams that did not make the tournament, that would have been the next four in the NCAA tournament, they are on like on call, like on standby. So if any team tests positive, has a player test positive before their game, before the start of the tournament on Friday, the one of these replacement teams gets slotted in and they take over that slot. So we could see the outcome of the entire tournament affected by COVID. And if after the tournament starts a team test positive, then it, they just forfeit. We could have a situation where a Final Four game is forfeited. Because of a positive COVID test. Oh, I could totally see that. And I, I think there's a broader implication for a lot of what's happening in sports, including how COVID is the new injury list. So that's a very, I always found that, that when they brought yeah. the sports back, they, every day I listen, they have an injury list, but it's just COVID positive tests. So this is a way of propagandizing people, of making it real. You feel like you know those people. It affects something you care about. I don't think people are going to care about sports as much as they used to going forward for so many reasons. Like we haven't been able to go when the NFL started doing the kneeling thing and the boycotting things like that kind of made viewership go down and I've been wondering why they would do that it's such a powerful propaganda tool the NFL has always been a proxy for war they even have the army sponsor it 
And then I started to think that the one that sports was almost a limited hangout because it really brought families together. I remember, I mean, I have shed many, many tears at Little League games watching fathers and sons bond, get together, work towards a goal for kids to actually see that hard work and their objective. Like that's an out, that's a strike. Like there are objective standards. And then that moment of triumph, that moment when your personal best, I just remember a dog pile of kids and the little, it still chokes me up, the little boy who had caught that amazing catch that as they dogpiled him, he's still sticking up from the pile was his hand with the ball in the glove. And I didn't even know what the kid was. I just saw the hand with the ball in the glove. And it was such a great moment. And I feel like that thing where it was just objective truth, it was hard work, it was rules oriented, and the dads were there. It would really brought the dads home from work early and stuff. And I just thought that was great. I think it's great for girls, too. And then when you see things like these battles going on of transgender teens or adolescents or whatever entering the girls teams who are like these are people who were born male. So they have the male muscle type and then body type competing girls. So a lot of the stuff is going to move the objectivity away from sports and and they always put like uh, the vul- vulgar stuff in the halftime shows and stuff. And even I went to a, a Rams game now that they're they were back or I came out here once and went to a Rams game and they it was just gross. Like they like people got so drunk and everything. So I realized that there was downside to it. And I just I feel like they are they're going to take all the goodness out of it like that objective stuff out of it it's going to be a turn off it's not going to be family stuff and they don't need it anymore because we've moved from war as the driving force of society i think to information control and part of that is isolation and sports kind of worked against that so i feel like they are they that that sports is changing to a more you know, it's it's instrumentality in the future technocracy will will be different from what it has been in the war regime. It's definitely changing. I think there's also an aspect here of here are these people that as kids you want to be like March Madness, one of the biggest events of the year. And now you see what happens to your favorite team when a player doesn't follow the rules we tell them to follow. So you, but they do, but they do follow the rules and they still get penalized. Then it shows you that just like there's nothing you can do, that life is unfair and we need welfare. You know what I mean? Like they can tell you that and people will get that message, but they also tell you the other message, like some businesses start survived and some failed. So we need UBI because it's not about hard work. It's about luck. Yes, that's what it does seem like anyway, when you think about how unreliable the tests are. But I think Georgia Tech probably won't have a positive test because they are the exemplifier, the the best example of following COVID protocols. So they want to have that model in there. So maybe tech will go a long way. Yeah, I definitely think there will be some uh, uh, manipulation of it for the message. No doubt about that. I have a big fat shout out to a longtime patron saint, big supporter of the show, Molly, who spends a lot of time and effort uh, just out of the goodness of her heart and to, to leverage off her own personal experience about the dangers of MRI dye. I don't, I never even knew about this until Molly, um, 
reached out to us. It's MRIDYE.com, MRIDYE.com. So check that out if you know somebody who is getting an MRI. She, Molly says she'd like to give a shout out to Dr. Raymond Pete, P-E-A-T, by sharing a quote from him, since I think he approaches health topics the way you two approach politics and economics. Much of what we're what we've learned about health is upside down. Many are quick to see conspiracy and corruption in politics, but not in medicine and health fads. This includes both mainstream and alternative sectors. When asked about the Ray Pete diet or protocol, this was his response. Authoritarians talk about protocols, but the only valid protocol would be something like perceive, think, act. Raymond Pete, that's very interesting. Perceive, like think, act. It's it, it reminds me of something I told my daughter just the other day about the I said, I, I think the Catholics, our Catholic listeners are going to probably correct me. But I, I, I say like the most important, the basic tenet of Catholicism is to honestly inform your conscience then to consult your conscience and then to obey your conscience. So I think it's similar. Perceive, think, act. I think it's actually totally parallel. Boy, that's what, what our old program director, Pete, would say is a piece of chocolate. Delicious and sweet. I think that wraps it up for today. You guys can find your drive time news blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform or the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to Propaganda Report slash, go, excuse me, go to patreon.com slash Propaganda Report and become a patron. We will talk to y'all in the patron 15 or tomorrow. Have a fantastic rest of your day. <laughs>